Good morning. Well, I most certainly am not the man. But there is someone who at one point in his life, he thought he was. He thought that he didn't need to wait on God. To actually wait for God to fulfill the promises that have been made to him. We can learn so much from his life. If you've got your Bible, turn over to Genesis chapter 32, and that's where we're going to be today as we look at an account in the life of Jacob. At this point in his life, Jacob believes that Esau is seeking revenge. Esau was his brother. He's afraid of Esau. Esau was a warrior. Jacob, I guess, wasn't. And so Jacob was afraid for his life, rightfully so, but it wouldn't be a fight with Esau that would bring about great change in Jacob's life. It would come on the night when he wrestled the Lord. And that's why we're here in this wrestling arena to, to see what we can learn about this man of faith named Jacob. Jacob wasn't much different than most of us. He was a little too self-reliant. He knew just like I assume we do, he knew the need to go to God in prayer, and he knew what to say to God in those prayers. He knew the need to solicit God's help. But like so many of us all too often, he wasn't patient enough to wait on the Lord to fulfill his promises. There was one time in Jacob's life when he had been promised firstborn status. But rather than trusting in God and waiting on Him, he got that blessing, if you will, by means of, of deception. There was another time when, when God had promised him great wealth, and rather than waiting for the Lord, he used manipulation to get what he wanted. There was yet another time when, even though he's under the, the care and the protection of God, well, he found himself in a a difficult situation with his father-in-law Laban, and rather than depending on God, he just tried to use his own speed to outrun Laban. And now here he is. He's gotten word that Esau is on his way, that he's not alone, that there's some 400 men who were with him. And Jacob takes it upon himself, rather than waiting on the Lord, Jacob takes it upon himself to send his servants ahead with a lot of gifts in hopes that bribery might somehow diffuse the situation. But of course, that didn't work either. Now remember, Jacob is going into this night, and he's thinking that at some point in the night, he's probably going to have to fight Esau. But instead, instead he's going to wrestle the Lord in his life. His life will be changed forever. Let's pick up in verse 22. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. Now again, he knows that Esau's coming, and he knows that Esau is bringing with him some 400 men. He is convinced that Esau is seeking revenge. He is absolutely terrified. And so what is it that he does? He takes his, his family, 
those who are most precious to him. And he moves them to a different spot in hopes that they will remain safe. And then Jacob finds himself alone. Being alone is always a very interesting situation to find yourself in. Oftentimes it's in moments of being alone where we can really take an honest look at ourselves. We can honestly evaluate maybe the situation or the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And if we will allow him to, in those moments, God can do amazing things in our lives. Let's pick up with the latter part of verse 24. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now, when Jacob had first encountered God, it was in Genesis chapter 28, or rather I should say the last time he encountered God was in Genesis 28. And he called that place Bethel. And it was during that encounter that God promised to bless Jacob physically. And of course, God is always good to fulfill his promises. So at this point in his life, Jacob is a, he's a wealthy man. But you know, the promises of God, the blessings of God, they run so much deeper than just our physical well-being. It goes so much far, further beyond just that. And what we're about to see here in the life of Jacob is that the blessings of God are going to bring about great change in his personal life. Jacob's about to learn victory through surrender. It's interesting. There don't seem to be any introductions here that we're aware of. You know, oftentimes at, a, at an event, a wrestling arena such as this, there will be grandiose introductions where both combatants will be introduced coming to the ring. But to our knowledge, there were no great introductions like that that night. All we know is that all of a sudden, Jacob found himself wrestling with a man. Now, if I tried to wrestle with someone in this ring for five or ten minutes, I would be absolutely exhausted. And I've watched some of the, the professionals, and I've watched some of them go an hour, and I, I can't fathom how two men could wrestle for an hour. But to wrestle till daybreak? Now that is truly amazing. No doubt Jacob was a man of, of great strength himself. And who was this man that he was wrestling with? Well, the prophet Hosea would say in Hosea 12 and verse 4 that it was an angel. But here in this same chapter, as we're about to read in verse 30, Jacob himself is going to refer to this man as God. Either way, the encounter that Jacob had that night changed his life forever. Let's pick up reading now in verse 25. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. You know, it's interesting to me, uh, to all the questions that could have been asked, that here this, this man who's wrestling Jacob, God, he asked Jacob, 
what's your name? God is all-knowing. Surely he already knew what Jacob's name was. Of course he did. But the question goes a little bit deeper than simply wanting to know his name. You see, if you go back in Genesis chapter 27, verse 18, there Jacob had been asked a very similar question by his father. His father said, who are you, my son? Now, when Jacob answered that question, if he would have answered it truthfully, he would have said Jacob. But he didn't answer it truthfully. He lied. He deceived his father to receive that birthright. And he said, I am Esau, your firstborn son. Here, God is wanting to know more than just who he is. He's wanting to know more than just his identity. Because, you see, seemingly this whole time, Jacob has been a a schemer, a deceiver, a liar. He's been someone that has relied upon himself more so than trusting in God to fulfill his promises. But now, now it's time for there to be a change. You know, it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon at all throughout Scripture to see God change the names of individuals when their lives begin to change for him. We remember that Simon's name became Peter, that Saul became Paul. And here Jacob is at a, at a huge defining moment in his life. And God says, you'll no longer be known as Jacob. From now on, your name will be Israel. A name that means to struggle. A, a name that could also be translated as one who wrestles with God or one who has let God rule. You see, Jacob was blessed that morning, even though he walked away with a limp. He was definitely blessed because now he began to discover, he began to understand something that the Apostle Paul understood so well and would write about so many years later in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, where Paul said, For the sake of Christ, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardship, persecution, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. It seems that at this point in his life, Jacob had been so selfish and that he had created so many problems for himself and for those who were around him. But from this point forward in his life, he begins to serve God and, and his life becomes a part of the solution rather than constantly being a part of the problem. Let's pick up now in verse 31. It says, The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Jacob is limping forward, limping forward with his life, limping forward to meet Esau, all as a result of this encounter with God. Jacob thought that seeing God would bring death, but in reality, seeing God brought new life. A new name, a new walk as a result of the limp, but more importantly, a new relationship with God. From this point forward, Jacob lived his life in surrender. He, he lived his life in obedience to the will of God rather than continually fighting against the will of God. I wonder, I wonder if you have a new name. Not a literal new name, but symbolically speaking, do you wear the name of Christ? Are you a Christian? 
Because when we make the decision to obey the gospel of Christ and to begin to wear that, that precious name, it's so much more than just a name. It's a call to life, a call to how we're to live our life from day to day, a life where we should be walking in step with the will of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you a follower of His? Are you walking in the light? Are you walking in the footsteps of Jesus? Are you living your life in a way that is, is loving others and spending time with God and His Word and through prayer? You're living your life trying to just glorify God and to, to further the cause of Christ. Are you a disciple? You know, for Jacob, for Jacob, even though he received a great blessing, he walked away with something that would serve as a constant reminder of that night. A constant reminder of the blessing been afforded to him by God. He had that limp, that ever-present limp. The salvation that God has afforded mankind is an amazing gift. It's, it's been made available for all of us. It's free to all mankind. But it's not a gift without a price. And the price that is required to take hold of the salvation of Christ is discipleship. To become someone who will strive to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Being a disciple of Christ is not about what God can do for you, but rather about what you now can do with your life from this moment forward to bring glory to God and to further the cause of Jesus Christ. I wonder, I wonder sometimes if we're truly following in the footsteps of Jesus the way that we should be. I hope that as we enter this, this new year of 2021 and all of the hope that we have that it might bring, may we be a people, may we be a people who will begin to learn to not be so self-sufficient, to, to no longer lean on our own understandings, but to finally, completely trust in God. Because God is faithful. And He has afforded unto us so many blessings, so many promises in regards to this life and life everlasting. I love you, but I want you to know that God loves you more. Let's go to Him in prayer. Our Father God, we humbly bow before You and we are so thankful for this day, a day that's Yours, to worship You and to praise You and God, we are so humbled as we think upon the many blessings. Truly, Father, the, the blessings from you are countless. Our physical life, our spiritual life, the, the hope of life everlasting, all of these things, Father, have been given to us by you through the blood of your Son, Jesus. Father, as we enter into this new year, we know that we are far from perfect beings, that we are weak, we're flawed, we're human. But God, we just pray that you would be with us. Give us strength. Help us to overcome those obstacles that may beset us. Help us to live as you have called us to live. 
Help us, Father. Help us, Father, in this year to trust in you, to completely put our faith in you with each new day. Because God, we know, we know that you are a good God. And we know that you always see your promises through. And for that, we say thank you. All these things we pray in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen. Again, so glad that you're with us today. If you're visiting with us, I don't normally preach from a wrestling ring, but, but maybe we should in the future. Uh, if you are visiting with us, you can learn more about us at therainbowchurchchrist.org. We would love for you to come worship with us anytime. Hopefully on January the 24th, we'll be assembling back in our auditorium. So we're very prayerful about that. I do want to quickly just say thank you. Thank you to the Victory Championship Wrestling for allowing us this opportunity to film here at this venue today. Such an awesome little facility. So happy to have it here in Gadsden. I would encourage you, if you're interested, you can look them up on Facebook at Victory Championship Wrestling or go to their webpage at vcwaction.com. So appreciative of them, thankful for them, and thankful for you. And we hope to see you again soon.